1: Jeremy Hill holding down the middle of the day live from the Mercedes Benz of Baton Rouge studios. It's Hunt and Hill now on 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge.
2: Welcome in Hunt and Hill on a Monday from Mercedes Benz of Baton Rouge studio downtown in the capital city. I'm Hunt, Hunt Palmer. He is Hill, Jeremy Hill, Casey Gaines, and Taylor Sharp. Back there on the ones and twos. Jeremy, last week I asked you if this counted as game week because Florida State plays this weekend. You said yes, so it's officially game week. Off-season's over. (laughs) Off-season's canceled.
3: Look, have no fear. Game week is here, man. (laughs) Football time, man. No time better than this time of the year right now.
2: We'll get a little Florida State preview coming up on Wednesday. Um, But... uh, We will certainly get ready for them in Duquesne coming up on Saturday. And, of course, next week it will officially be game week for LSU football. The Tigers are done with fall camp at a scrimmage over the weekend. School starts today. Uh, Major hat tip to those of you who are uh, attending college class today. I am (laughs) big-time LSU. (laughs) That is is a great place to be. Uh, The real world, not as much fun as the (laughs) college world. Uh, So enjoy it while you're there. Um, Those of you who are... Slumming it in the real world with us. We'll get you through the next two hours here on a Monday edition of Hunt and Hill. Loads to get to to react um, over the weekend. Of course, some disappointing news about John Emery. We'll talk about LSU scrimmage over the weekend. Some of the, uh, the storylines that came out of that NFL action is fully underway in the preseason. Um, so we will uh, talk a little bit about some of the storylines that have come out, especially out of Tampa where it's been a little bit of a uh, an eventful uh, training camp. So we'll talk a little bit about that in 15 minutes from right now. Uh, meet the freshman in our number two at 115. Jay Johnson having a press conference right this very minute. Uh, so we'll get some of the quotes and sound from that, uh, I can't you know spend the first hour talking the LSU baseball roster, even though I'm looking at it right here on Twitter. We'll talk football, but we are going to talk a little bit at 1:30 about what uh, Jay Johnson, as well as his assistant coaches, have to say. I think everyone is talking at this press conference, so um, we'll get to a little bit of that in uh, in hour number two. But we will start with the Saints and the Packers over the weekend up at Lambeau Field. I think a pretty um, meaningful week for the Saints to go up there and, and get three practices in with the Packers and then go out there and get a preseason game in. Jeremy, we talked about this last week. Like mm-hmm. the the amount of playing time for established veterans in the preseason is dwindling by the week. I mean there's just <laughs> nobody out there playing mm-hmm. and that's kind of become the new normal here in the NFL. Um, you did see a little bit from the Saints, but a lot of guys just uh, you know, stood on the sidelines and watched <laughs> yeah. over the weekend.
3: Yeah, not getting too much. I I, I thought I was going to see a lot more starters and guys who were going to play a predominant, predominant amount of snaps for the Saints, get some action, but... Um, to me, I, I can't even be mad at it because, like, you feel good about what the guys are doing at practice. You're getting some inner squad stuff in. Why risk it in a meaningless preseason game? And, and the Saints team, uh, I can see if this is a very, very young football team like the Jets or the Jaguars or one of those teams out there. Uh, so many veterans up and down this roster. Um, I, I think it's refreshing to see Allen not trying to kill the guys before week one and, and let them come in the, uh, the season fresh.
2: Ian Book went the entire way for the Saints. Again, I've kind of been pretty steadfast in my comments at, like, Ian Book is not going to be a factor for the Saints, in my opinion. Um, I just – certainly not this year, and I don't really think moving forward he's going to be a factor. But if he was going to have a chance to state his case, this was going to be a huge spot for him. Um, 16 out of 28 for 113 yards. That's averaging four yards of completion just about. I mean, it, it. he did turn it over with the fumble and the interception. The interception, Taysom Hill fell down, so I don't know if that's necessarily Ian Book's fault there, but the fumble certainly is. Um and four yards of completion is just nothing it was a bunch of check downs and and screens and they had some success <laughs> in the screen game but like there's just i don't see anything that ian book does it lends me to believe that he's going to be <laughs> a New Orleans saint for a uh, for a very long time
3: yeah man and I, I think that's a, the crazy thing about the quarterback position they just it's so much luster so much attention that these guys are going to get and everyone kind of wants everyone to be the next peyton manning or the next tom brady but um, it's just not the case for a lot of these kids, and I think Ian just happens to be one of those kids. You, you can't blame the kid. You know he fights hard. He tries his best to go out there and execute. It's just not to the highest level you want to see for an NFL quarterback, especially a guy that's probably going to be in your backup role. Which, I, which I think you know for Ian Books is probably his ceiling in this league. Um, you want your backup to be able to, you know, be a bridge. And win when when you some games while your starter is out. I just don't see that for Ian Book. And so, uh, to me, it creates a world where it's, it's Andy Dalton and, and Jameis Winston. And you probably try into the season uh, like that. And I could see Ian Book possibly be on the practice squad. But I'm just, I don't know. I don't see that big-time future as an NFL quarterback. Yeah,
2: I just, I mean, they could put him on the practice squad. I think Luke brought up a really good point last week that I don't know that they need to carry a third quarterback on your active roster when Taysom Hill is on the active roster and if you have two injuries in a week and he needs to go in there and play you can make it work I mean nobody on their third quarterback is going to look great in the NFL (laughs) but you can make that work with Taysom Hill um, and free up another spot to add an impactful player where Ian Book's going to hold a clipboard over there. To me, he just doesn't warrant that, and I don't think, really, honestly, warrants that much more discussion on this show because I just don't think <laughs> it's that big a deal for the Saints and, and as far as what they're they're going to be this coming year. So what did matter on the field on on Saturday night? Um on Friday night. Uh, look, Chris Olave has the touchdown catch. Did a nice job of body control on a ball that, that Ian Book did. Kind of throw him open to the sideline. He turns and makes a nice catch there. I think Olave's got a, a very, very bright future. Um, as far as the running backs go, again, just nothing really eye-catching. A nice play on a screen route by Tony Jones. He looks pretty mm-hmm. good. They found a couple more creases in this game than they did in the first preseason game. But I think probably the biggest storyline to me as far as the running backs goes, they're starting to give Kirk Merritt a look at running back. He had a really nice kick return on Friday, and then they got to practice today. And Kirk Merritt's out there taking handoffs as a, a running back. And he's a really, really good athlete. We've known that. They're kind of trying to see if there's a place they can put him on the field to use that athleticism. And maybe a, a spot at running back where nobody's really stepping forward out of your group of of Abram Smith and of Tony Jones and all of a sudden, well, what if this merit guy can, can do what these guys haven't done? Do you think there's a chance that he could stick around on this team?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, there's always a chance. I, I think any time you're looking at that Saints running back room, you feel really, really good about Kamara, and you feel like you know, Mark Ingram's done enough in this league to earn his roster spot, but... You know, past that, I don't think anyone's really proven enough to really have a solidified spot. So uh, I think for Tony Jones or Abram, for, for Merritt, I think all those guys, you know, they're going to be, you know, a cog in that machine, and they're going to be fighting for those roster spots. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I think anytime you're a playmaker, you're always going to have a chance in NFL to, to make a roster spot. I think it'll be up to the front office out of which one of those guys that are, aren't Ingram and Kamara that they want to allow on this roster.
2: Best thing that I saw from a Saints perspective on Friday was Will Lutz from 59 yards, <laughs> and it was right down the gut and had a little room to spare from 59 yards so that was really really good to see um he's been clearly the best kicker of the peyton era of um, garrett hartley the most recognizable from a moment's perspective sending the saints to the super bowl but lutz has been the best and you, know, you never know when a guy goes out and he, he misses all that kind of time and it's because of an injury and you come back and what does it look like that was as good as it can look 59 <laughs> yards right down the yeah. middle
3: Look, you don't have to worry about head coaches shaking their head and any more bonehead kickers. <laughs> I, I think they got that figured out and I think that was a great sign uh for the Saints to, to see him, you know, back in action, back drilling, big time kicks like that. Obviously, it's not a regular season, but uh I think for Will we, we know how kickers are, man. They they get the yip sometimes and when those things start going left and right. Uh, it's hard to attain, so to see him back out there getting confidence going into the season, uh, that's going to be great for the Saints because now you got the kicking game fixed, and that was something that was a huge issue last year, so I know they're, I know they're happy to get Will
2: back. Cost him at least a game, so <laughs> it's, that's a guy you want in the equation. Um, Trevor Penning, a lot of action at left tackle, got the start at left tackle in the game. Look, I, uh, I'm a novice at, you know, observer here at that but it didn't look as good to me in week in the first preseason game he had the holding penalty had a couple plays where he got beat um and you would expect that but also showed kind of the edge and the toughness and the strength that you want and that you drafted and i think the thing that stands out to me when i watch him play or have watched some of the highlights of him playing as well is is the strength and the power that he's got um, when he sets his feet and can deliver a blow and i saw that on display again on friday um, there were a couple of of issues, but I think he's making steps forward. Um, it appears to me, just from watching, that I think Hurst is going to be the guy to start the season. There's just it's just a more dependable, uh, more reliable, proven commodity here. But the more reps pinning gets, I think he'll he'll start to figure it out because he's got some of those those things that you just don't teach. He's just he's <laughs> yeah. got the size and the strength, yeah. and yeah. and he's I think he's. A, I think it's going to be a hit as far as draft pick goes, but I don't think he's ready to start at left tackle right this very second. Yeah, I,
3: to me, that's uh, probably how I got my positions that are difficult in the NFL. I got to go one quarterback, two cornerback, and then three is that left tackle position. That's one of the hardest position in all of football because you're going to be on the edge on an island with some of the best athletes in edge rusher in all the world, and and so it's super, super difficult as a rookie to try to pick that up and and figure out what all these guys are doing week in and week out to to allow them to to be some of the best passers in football. So I think for Trevor, just allowing him to you know develop and continue to learn, and I I think he'll definitely uh, be probably playing a lot more snaps uh, once the season kind of gets to the latter half.
2: I've got a suggestion for the Saints defensively. They can take it, they can leave it. I'll just kind of throw it out there. Maybe don't let Danny Etling out the back door for 51 yards. 51-yard <laughs> touchdown run from Danny Etling? Yeah, yeah, man. Sir.
3: Look, no, that was explosive and impressive. Look, my my first year in uh, New England, uh, we were playing our last preseason game, and Danny took 180 to the house, man. I think that's what got him a roster spot on the team that year. So, yeah, it's always great to see, you know, LSU, you know, our guys out there in the league making some plays. And, yeah, he got Aaron Rodgers out of his seat. So, anytime you get Aaron Bleeping Rodgers yeah. out of his sleep, man, you got you to be proud of that.
2: I— Did not have uh, on my lotto ticket Danny Etling, five-year NFL pro, and we're headed that direction. (laughs) He's been 18, 19, 20, 21, and here we go to 2022. That's more than I would have wagered on Danny <laughs> Etling's pro career, quite frankly.
3: No, no, it's definitely uh, you no. Know, I think for me, it's refreshing because you know LSU we're known for so many more positions, quarterbacks, and we gotta get some more guys pumping up there. So to see Danny, <laughs> you know, still hanging on, still doing his thing, still making some plays, it's good to see. So you got to cheer for one boy, Danny Etling.
2: So the Saints lose twenty to ten to the Packers, and they move forward in. Uh, In their preseason workouts, Michael Thomas did not practice today dealing with uh, what Dennis Allen called a a slight hamstring issue. It just... It's uncomfortable to talk about mm-hmm. him missing more time with injury. Uh, hopefully that uh, that heals up and he's ready to go. The good news from the Saints' perspective, Jameis Winston did go out there today. He practiced in the 11-on-11, 11 11, which mm-hmm. he had not done a lot of um, in, in, in the past. He sat out the two-minute drill portion of practice, but he's out there in 11-on-11s. you still got uh, three weeks until your first game. I think that he's right there on track to be be a full go, ready to roll for that first game. Obviously, you don't want to miss the time that he's missed, and Dennis mm-hmm. Allen said today that he would like Jameis Winston to get some sort of preseason reps in a game. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You're not going to rush it just because you want to get him out there. You got to do the right thing for him and his health first. And right now, that right thing is is practicing in a controlled environment, a protected environment. And then, you know, if you can get out there on Friday,
3: maybe. Look, we we talked about I mean, we started the show with today. Ian Book is is your second quarterback if something happens to Jameis. So Jameis' health is of full importance to the Saints, and I I think him going into the season fully healthy, them not rushing him, them taking their time with him. Um, I I think he's, you know, if the Saints are going to have a chance this year, I I think it's going to have to be Jameis playing the best football he's played. And and to do that, you want him to be as healthy as possible. So take your time with him. You want him ready for week one, and uh, make sure you have no more hiccups along the way.
2: When we come back after this timeout, we're going to talk about some of the stories that have popped up around the National Football League. If you didn't see why Tom Brady stepped away from Buccaneers training camp for a week and a half, we've got the answer now, and it's a humorous one in my opinion. That's next on Hunt and Hill.
1: Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. It's Hunt
0: and Hill. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Kick off Week One with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code 1045 ESPN to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long.
2: You can get a chance at an even bigger payout with the same-game parlays. Just check out the FanDuel Sportsbook. they got a tab for every single sport. It's so easy to use. It's safe. It's reliable. And when you win, you get paid really, really quickly. Make every moment more with the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official partner of the National Football League. You must be 21 and present in Louisiana. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. But this is does not free bet. Expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you are something who knows a gaming problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
1: and hill with hunt palmer and jeremy hill
2: lunch hour on monday presented by the shed barbecue if you're looking for a lunch spot, shed on Burbank. Same crew as Ocean Springs location. For those of you who stopped there on the beach over the year, on the way to the beach over the years, got a spot right here in Baton Rouge now on Burbank. Awesome outdoor area with a ton of seating, huge television. They got live music and unbelievable barbecue, the ribs, brisket, pulled pork. They got your mac and cheese, your greens. They got it all over there at the shed now here in Baton Rouge, bringing the lunch hour each and every Monday. You know, this. It was such an odd thing from the outside when Tom Brady's like, "Yeah, uh you know, I'm going to going to leave camp now. Uh you know, I'm I'm going to going to step away. We've discussed this before, you know, camp even started. Not anything to do with health or anything. I'm just going to going to I'll be back." Well, "Where are you going?" Well, "It's personal stuff, off the okay. What where are you going?" "Well, now we know. He just went to the Bahamas with his family and just spent a week and a half down there." That's, That's what Tom
3: did. Hey, look, man. Look, I, I I know Tom <laughs> the way I know him. I know he had to do some elbow rubbing with Giselle, man. Like he, He's been spending a lot less time with the family. She almost had him. She was this close from getting him to leave the football field. But look, man, Tom's not going to give it up like that. knew something was fishy with that. But, yeah, it's Tom, man. He, he If he wants to take a vacation, smack that. In the middle of
2: camp. In
3: the middle of camp. I mean, what other guy could do that
2: so why not like i'm all with this, this is like similar to like when rodman said i gotta go to vegas for a little bit and jordan showed up with carmen Electra in the bed and said you're getting out that's it
3: i don't think anyone's getting time out of that
2: nobody showed that. up knocking on the door in the bahamas
3: no no you leave that guy alone you he just left
2: why home. didn't he go three weeks ago before can't started. i don't understand
3: look i'm telling you it's a giselle thing man look she she he begged <laughs> her to come back she's like under one condition You're going on a family vacation in the middle of camp. That's exactly. Look, she's lucky she's not during the season. Miss a game, so get it out the way now. I mean, this is an
2: incredible story. Uh, Just yeah, that was it. Now he's back at practice today, just firing away. That's just that's something. Um, A little bit of puzzle or troubling news out of Bucks camp. If you're a Bucks supporter, Um, Aaron Stinney out for the year after tearing his ACL and MCL in a preseason game. He was battling for a spot at guard. Um, they've now had two offensive linemen go down. Ryan Jensen um, is had a knee injury, and we don't know when he's coming back. Um, Tristan Wirfs left practice with the Titans if, with an oblique injury. It's it's messy up front mm-hmm. for the Bucks right now, and that's just a spot you can't afford to have crater. I mean, you can mm-hmm. lose some wide receivers, you know, you can lose, but you can't have. The, the protection for Tom break down. He can't mm-hmm. function mm-hmm. without it. And I just, I think it's a big deal.
3: No, it's always a big deal. I think Tom has always had a line that's been more than respectable and then able to protect him. He's always, you know, you never see him leading the league and, and sacks taken. He's always getting the ball out quick. And he's always had, you know, lines that are reputable that know how to protect him. And so for Tom, he's always going to want to step up in that pocket. And uh, anytime you start hearing guards are going down, it's never a good sign because if the pocket is collapsing from the middle, uh, we've seen teams who've had success against Tom. They rush four, and then they collapse the pocket towards the middle. So um, that's kind of been the recipe since day one. Drop seven, rush four. And uh, if you can get after him with four, you get to set yourself up to win. So for the Bucks, not great signs. And I'm sure the Saints D-line is looking their chops. They love to hear that stuff. So um, you, they want to get back healthy. Unfortunately, he's out for the year. So... Uh, yeah, you don't want to be going through that going into the season. I mean,
2: if you look at, at the line that they've had the last couple of years, Super Bowl line, last year's team, and then and then you look at what they've got right now, you've got Jensen, who's out. Uh, you've got Ollie Marpet who retired. Alex Kappa left for free agency. And then you've got this injury um, to, to Aaron Stenney. That's four guys mm-hmm. that you were going to, had counted on that are no longer a viable option at this point. And that doesn't even count Werfs and mm-hmm. him going out with the oblique injury. So... It's basically a whole new line that's been made up, and that's, again, that's a a huge storyline for me. I think the consensus nationally is you just concede this division to the Buccaneers. You got Tom Brady, this team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They got all this star power, and they they are going to be a good team, I think that, but I'm— I think the the value bet if you're betting who's going to win the South the value bet is the Saints. <laughs> the Saints roster to me is more complete. Yeah. Uh it's more balanced. I just don't know about I mean quarterback is what it is. Mm-hmm. But you look, I mean if you're going 1 to 53, like I think the Saints are more complete than the Bucs are, especially with what's going on up front with the Bucs.
3: Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge question mark uh, for the Bucs, and I think also injuries uh, on other positions. I I think right now you're going into the season with just Mike Evans healthy. Uh, you still got guy went out. Uh, Russell's been banged up, and we know kind of the injury history Julio's kind of dealt with throughout his career. So uh, you're kind of banged up everywhere. Uh, Leonard's kind of coming into camp to 60, which you don't love to see. Not great. <laughs> That's not great. So, um, and also you pair that with the Saints have totally dominated the Bucks throughout the regular season for the past two years. So uh, if you're a Saints fan, this is definitely uh, you're not you know crying or you know shedding any tears over this news in Bucks camp because. Now you're looking at it. If if you can get Jameis, you know, going to that field game one healthy, uh, you feel like you got a great opportunity to go win this division and, and have a point uh, and have a home playoff game.
2: The Panthers have named their starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. has officially been named the starter. Of course, the Panthers' first game of the year is against the Browns, mm-hmm. as it would be. Uh, so Baker will be playing his former team as a starting quarterback in week one. That surprised you that Baker was uh, was named the guy.
3: No, not surprising. I, I think you know they—they they just you know gave up some compensation to get Baker, and and I think they just watched a, a full year of Sam Darnold. They gotta know uh, what he what he brings to an organization and how much he can help them win football games. I, I think the unknown factor is Baker. Um, we know kind of everything that happened in Cleveland and how he exited. So. Uh, if we know Baker like we know Baker, he's going to come out fiery, motivated, running around the field with a ton of energy. I don't know how much that's going to help the Panthers win football games, but I think that front office and that coaching staff, uh, they're going to throw him out there and see if he gives them a chance to win. I don't think it's going to go well for them, but uh, not shocking that Baker's the starter.
2: Bummer for Matt Corral. Uh, Liz Frank injury maybe cost him the season and his opportunity to kind of try to be the backup there in, in Carolina. Um, now you got two Pretty significant names, at least, ahead of you with Darnold and and Baker. And now he obviously not going to be able to participate for a long time. So Matt Corral is, uh, is probably out for the season. But as far as good news for rookie quarterbacks, Pierce Kenny Pickett uh, is kind of making his push up there in Pittsburgh. Kind of the fan favorite because he's a Pittsburgh Panther. Uh, and had a really, really good game over the weekend. Six of seven, threw a touchdown pass, 76 yards. Um, and there's some consideration that he could win this starting job. I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. But they're talking about that in multiple different outlets.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, it's your favorite quarterback of all time, man. We're talking money-making Mitch right now, man. You're telling me he can't hold the start. Look, you were saying he can't hold down the starting job the number three overall pick in the draft, Chicago's legend himself? Come on, it's money making, it Mitch. But no, I, I think the rookie gives him a better chance to win, which isn't saying much. But look, he he's a pick kid. You saw the fans in Pittsburgh really, really cheer him on when he came out there, and uh, he's playing well right now. And I, I think to me, they have one of the sneaky picks. I know I gave out my uh, rookies of the year and all that stuff, but yep. Pickens is gonna be a player, man. He he looks like he fits the bill, and uh, you got weapons with Claypool and Deontay Johnson, and we know what Najee can bring to a game. So uh, Pickett can just you know have a pulse. and I know it's tough for a rookie quarterback. Uh, I think he can outplay Mitchell Trubisky. So uh, let's see what what the picket area brings.
2: Do you see what happened in the uh, Cardinals preseason game? Uh, I saw them Swift. wearing black
3: helmets and, well, Kyler, yeah, calling and <laughs> Kyler calling plays. They did.
2: That's it. Kyler calling plays. What I was talking about. Cliff Kingsbury gave him the headset. Said fire away, and they were humming. In the in, well, they were going in. So much guys were about to get cut, but they had. They, but Kyler was calling the plays. Wait, he watches tape. The wait, guy knows the offense.
3: Wait. So how does a guy who who doesn't you know watch film yeah, or well, study and has to get all this stuff? in the how is he calling plays? Well, doesn't that guy not know a thing about that the Trace offense? Trace
2: McSorley out there spinning the magic beam. <laughs> the
3: Penn State. Kid, but nah, no, yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the environment that you would expect with, with a Cliffs Kingsbury. I, I couldn't see Bill Belichick handing the clipboard to any <laughs> other players to call play. So. What, what, what do you mean
2: he <laughs> doesn't have a coordinator? He has no coordinators. <laughs> he just has coaches that are like, they're going to figure out what they're going to do, whatever, when game day comes around.
3: Look, look, that's we're going to see how that plays out. I don't think it'll play out well, but yeah, I, I think for Cliff, yeah, letting Collar do it, I, I think it's a good sign for them get some of that negative media and all those, you know, kind of crazy stories getting thrown out. And so, and I'm a fan of Collar. I think he's a very talented kid and let's uh, I hope he goes out there and plays well but yeah I'm not shocked by Cliff letting the, letting the quarterback call some plays
2: did you did anything in your career ever happen in preseason like got that ever got guys calling plays or changing positions or anything goofy in a preseason game. I mean, I'm now starting to uh, see what preseason actually means. Brady's in the Bahamas, a, a and, the, and the the Cardinals quarterback's calling plays. Look, it's
3: probably one of the more laughable, jokeable times as an NFL player when, you, when all the guys are kind of just cutting back because there's nothing to lose. And, and you have some coaches who take it. Too serious. I remember being in New England, we lost. We won our first two preseason games, lost the third one, and it was like we lost the second round of the playoffs. Like no one was saying a word in the locker room, like it was crazy. And then, you know, the Bengals is totally different. Like every no one's care. Everyone has sunflower seeds dipping. <laughs> we're wondering where we're going after the game. Like totally different lifestyles. But yeah, no one takes the preseason series. Everyone just wants to get to the regular season healthy and get that over with as soon as possible.
2: LSU's camp is over. Their final scrimmage of fall camp over the weekend. It is now school. And prep for Florida State. We'll talk about Brian Kelly's press conference, what he had to say coming up next on Hunting Hill. Hold
1: down in the middle of the day.
0: chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW group void We're prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
1: Hunt and Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill
2: lunch hour on Monday brought to you by The Shed Barbecue to a winner this week's Lunch on the Shed coming up in 30 minutes. You want to enter your office to win lunch from the Shed Barbecue? Go to 1045ESPN.com to register right there. We'll give you our winner again in 30 minutes, thanks to the Shed. Giving us a lunch hour each and every Monday here on Hunt and Hill. Uh, Tigers in Tiger Stadium, scrimmaging on Saturday. Um, I listened to Brian Kelly's press conference afterward, and, and one of the things that stood out to me is just how much they are moving the parts on the offensive line. Uh, Will Campbell has been a stalwart at the left tackle. Looks like Gary Dellinger has kind of won that center job. I haven't really heard anyone other than Charles Mm -hmm. Turner's name, and Dellinger's getting every first-team rep. That appears to be kind of etched in there, but the rest is not. Anthony Bradford has played right guard and right tackle. They've moved Frazier, right guard, left guard. Um, I don't know what Cam Wire is going to do, if he's going to be the right tackle, if they want to move Bradford in. It's just a lot of moving pieces. And quite frankly, um, I I mean, it just concerns me. It just concerns me that they're still kind of cycling through things. Um, Maybe they have a lot of really good options and they just want to see what's best. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in which case, the line may be really, really good. It's just a little bit concerning with as much moving as they're doing. Jacob and Tebow this morning almost termed it as, like, they were given, like, hockey line shifts. Like, three guys running in at one time, shifting everybody (laughs) around, and trying to figure it out. It's still got two weeks before the first game and there's a lot of time and, and I, I'm glad that they're going through everything and getting all of the information in as much as they can. It just concerns me a little bit.
3: <laughs> Look, as long as we're not going Chinese bandits and getting platoon swaps yeah. with the offensive line, then we're not in trouble. But yeah, I think they feel comfortable with certain guys, but I think they're trying to find the best combination of fives and I think that's something that kind of held this team last season. And you saw Coach Davis, you know, kind of mix and match this offensive line and try to figure out, you know, which five are the best and which five can kind of work together and you saw with the injuries last year it was hard to find that consistent five. So I think with injuries not kind of being the forefront right now, you got most of the guys that are gonna be in that rotation, healthy and practicing. So now, uh, just get those guys to reps. I think that's what you do fall camp for. Get those guys as many reps as possible. I don't think you, you have a gun to your head and have to pick a starting five right now. Still got some time left. And then when you kind of get closer to that game week, you can kind of you know let the players know kind of which guys are gonna be the ones and which guys need to be on standby ready to play. So it's not you know, you know know the end of the world for me. I think that's why you still go out there and practice. We'll kind of see, you know, who they pick and who they tried out there with Florida State. I think that's going to be a big thing. But right now, I'm not going to get too up in arms about it.
2: Yeah, the positive, like you just mentioned, is like they don't have a bunch of guys that have been hurt. So you're plugging guys in by necessity because you can't get your the five that you want out there. That was the case the entire camp and preseason last year. Every single time practice was open to the media, you went out there and somebody had returned from injury that had no contact and somebody else was out because they got hurt. And they just, Brad Davis was new. It was musical chairs up there. They just had no chance to get that line where they wanted it for the first game of the season. And really, they played that game of catch-up all year long. They had the great day against Florida in Tiger Stadium. Outside of that, it was really an uphill battle almost the entire season. That has not been the case this year. This time around, you've not dealt with massive injuries, guys missing two and three weeks. Um, You've had the ability to put whoever you wanted out there in whatever type of order and whatever type of combination and give it a look. And so hopefully... Um, they can check the tape from this weekend scrimmage and kind of go through and and determine what it is that they want it to look like. My question to you is, what do you think it's going to look like? I think think the biggest domino first is where does Bradford fit? And Mm -hmm. once Bradford fits, you kind of have an idea where everybody else is going to go because you've got Campbell at left tackle, you've got Delinger at center, Bradford is either right tackle or right guard, and then you kind of fit things around him at that point because you figure Bradford's going to start. I I would be surprised if it's Frazier at right guard and Wire at right tackle and and Bradford's out. But just a matter of where do you think he ends up
3: yeah i think i feel more comfortable with him at guard Um, i I think him on the tackle against some of these adjusters he's gonna see in the sec i don't know if i love that but i mean you go out there and you get a look at bradford man he he fits the bill he's a huge huge kid and uh, he's very very strong and so i I think that best fits inside and i I think you start frazier on the outside I, i think we've seen enough of cam wire i think he's a great swing tackle to have if something happens to your starting tackle, you can trot him out there. But I, I would love to see offensive line with Campbell left tackle. I would go Shorts at, at left guard. Then I would go Dellinger center. Then I would go Bradford right guard. Then I'd probably go with uh, uh, Frazier at right right tackle as well. So I, I think that's probably going to be the offensive line if I had to bet. But we'll kind of see what they kind of you know come up with when we get to the first game.
2: It's uh, yeah. It's um, I guess because Florida State released their depth chart today. Uh, if you, it doesn't mean anything to us because we don't know a lot of Florida State <laughs> players. That's why we're going to get Brendan Sonone to come on on, on Wednesday and kind of walk us through some things. But I'm assuming that LSU will release their depth chart next week. We can jump to a ton of conclusions, find all the oars, find all the bold names, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I believe we'll get some answers coming up on Monday. The question is, when will LSU determine what they're doing at quarterback? And um, he said after the scrimmage that, that Walker is a very likely redshirt candidate. He can play in four games, still so keep that redshirt, and he called it a two-horse race. Do you believe that it is still a two-horse race, or do you think they know who their quarterback is? They're just not saying it.
3: Ah, oh, man, this is such a tricky one. Um, I, I'll say I still think it's a two-horse race. I, I'm going to stick with what I've thought all along and hearing reports from the scrimmages and camps. It's not like either one of those guys, you know, have blown the other away, and it's just like not a competition anymore. So, um, I, I think, you know, even with that being said, I think even if one guy is named a starter, I don't think that means he's got to start all 12 games going to the season. It's not one of those situations. I, I think they're both going to be on a short leash. And uh, anytime you hear them saying two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks, I, I think that means they feel like both of those guys can go out there and make plays. And so it's just what guys going to do it the most consistently and who gives them the best chance to win. I don't think they know that yet. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see both quarterbacks shot out there against Florida State.
2: I'm going to do, well, that's, that was my next point. Uh, I'm going to do a little research on this um, probably this week sometime at when Brian Kelly has played a little bit of – or gone to the back of quarterback or changed quarterbacks mid-game or mid-season. It feels like, without having looked it up yet, that it happens a lot. It certainly happened against LSU in the bowl game. Um, But I think it's pretty likely that two quarterbacks play against Florida State. And I think that will indicate that they've hit a lull on offense at some point, whether it's at the beginning or whether it's sometime – uh, in the game, um, you know, if they come out there and beat the doors off of them, you're going to have one guy that that comes in there and plays, and then maybe if you get up that much, you put the other the second team guy in. But um, I think both guys are very likely to play against Florida State. Is my my thought? Brian Burgess in the Bayu Four chat agrees, says he thinks uh, both both will play. Um, starting to be some more encouraging news on the tight end front. We did talk last week about Mason Taylor. Um, Cole Taylor obviously returns there, and Brian Kelly said, you know, they've they've. Taylor's going to play. They said, is he got guy that, I mean, Taylor, they're both Taylor. Mason Taylor's going to play. The freshman is going to play. And, you know, when we looked at that position, and if you listen to what the coach said, he said in the, sp- in the spring, basically, we don't have the numbers there. We're going to have to be a little, we're going to be a little compromised at tight end. And in that, you kind of read into, they'll just go four wide receivers. They won't really play much of a tight end. It appears now, over the course of three weeks, four weeks of camp, that Mason Taylor has made enough strides, that Cole Taylor has done enough, that they feel like they are going to incorporate that into the offense just a little bit. Far from a focal point, but it does appear they feel a little bit better about that than they did in the spring. Yeah, I
3: mean, I couldn't see a world where you just don't use tight ends. I think in this day and age in football, uh, with so many edge there's so many things teams can do off the edge you gotta have to have them in there in some capacity so to me it is a breath of fresh air because going into the season especially on the offensive side that was my biggest cause for concern like what type of production in the pass game or the run game were you going to be getting from that tight end position and so um, to see that you know, I, I think I always felt great about Mason Taylor, but to see Cole Taylor getting some getting some buzz here, um, I, I think it's great because now I, I think Coach Kelly they would love to do those two tight end sets, and then especially in Notre Dame, maybe they have mixed some of that stuff in there because I, I think it's just going to be you know a little more difficult to run the ball without tight ends in there. I think it's very very hard to do unless you have a dominant offensive line, and so um, to see them you know mixing that in there, I think is good for the team.
2: Yeah, for sure, and we'll see. That's that's a position. That I think I feel differently now than I did uh, three weeks ago. Like I said, I think that's a lot of that's just listening to what the coaches say, and they're mm-hmm. they they were Brian Kelly was very very complimentary of of Mason Taylor um, on the defensive side of the football. They asked about corner, and as you would expect, Brian Kelly, the first name out of his mouth is Jarek Jarek Bernard Carvers. That's the lock back there. Mm-hmm. The rest, I think, is very, very hotly contested. <laughs> um, and we've heard the names. We've heard Colby Richardson. We know Makai Gardner. We, I mean, we know the other suspects out there. But it was, I guess for me, good to hear him mention Jarek first and say, okay, that's a guy who was a, an all-league player somewhere else who they now have brought in and have no reason to believe that he won't be that type of player in the SEC as well. I'm just glad that he started with Jarrett when Oh, yeah, look,
3: I think anytime anyone's getting, you know, preseason All-American buzz, I I think you definitely got to look at them and see what they're going to bring to a team. And so to know that – not only is he getting the buzz going in, but he's impressing the coaches and impressing his teammates. Um, I think that's always a sign. Anytime you think of LSU football, you think of dominant defensive back play. So I couldn't imagine a season you know, where every game kind of looks like that Mississippi State game from 2020. We can't be having that. So to see that you have at least one stalwart corner on the outside, um, I think Coach House can figure out ways to help those other guys and try to find a way to make plays.
2: You mentioned preseason All-Americans. Speaking of preseason All-Americans, that team for the AP was released about 45 minutes ago. We will tell you what LSU Tiger showed up on it next on Hunt and Hill.
1: 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge with Hunt and Hill.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
2: LWCC is Louisiana Loyal. They are elevating and celebrating champions of Louisiana. If you know a champion of Louisiana, whether it's a person, a nonprofit, an entity that's doing great work and something great for our state, go to LWCC.com backslash Louisiana Loyal and nominate them to be a champion of Louisiana so we can tell their story all month long here on and Hill. This month, we are thrilled to tell you about Galen Iverstein.
3: Yeah, Galen founded and owns and operates a full-service butcher shop and Smokehouse in Baton Rouge. As the owner of Iverstein Farms Butcher, Galen brings sustainable locally-raised meats directly to Louisiana consumers, enabling customers to connect with local farms and expanding opportunities for farmers who cultivate and support Louisiana's land has been a decade-long goal. And with a background in sustainable farming, Galen identifies and supports farms and practices these methods by giving them a platform that expands the reach.
2: Yeldon Iverson doing awesome work for our taste buds, for our economy, and for our environment with that sustainable farming. He is this month's champion of Louisiana, presented by LWCC.
1: Hunt Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill.
2: Hope y'all are staying safe out there on this Monday Can hear the thunder popping downtown here in the capital city. So stay safe, stay dry out there. Monday lunch hour brought to you by the shed barbecue right there on Burbank between campus and traction, looking for somewhere to grab some lunch, Make the shed part of your lunch plans. They get that food out really, really quick. takes a long time to cook barbecue, but they've got it cooked, ready to roll. They can get it out to you very, very quickly. Have you in and out of there in 20, 25 minutes. Make The Shed part of your uh, game-watching plans this fall as well. They're going to have uh, they got tons of seating, huge projections, TVs, awesome spot to watch some games. So the Shed, new in town, but you know the brand. Been in Ocean Springs, Mississippi for a long, long time and been part of a lot of people's stops on the way to the beach over there in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. We're pumped to have them each and every Monday as the lunch hour sponsor, The Shed Barbecue. AP Preseason Barbecue. First-team All-American team announced today. Tigers represented just with one player, Kayshawn Butte. <laughs> First-team All-League. He joins Jordan Addison. Uh, of course, the pit transfer over at Southern Cal. And S- Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, the junior from Ohio State. Deuce Vaughn. All-purpose first. team. remember him from the, uh, from the bowl game over there at Kansas State. Bryce Young is the quarterback. Uh, B. John Robinson, the, te- the running back from Texas. Trevion Henderson, sophomore running back at Ohio State. Offensive line, you got uh, Big Ten flavor big time there. The tackles, uh, Peter Skorowski. No, Skorowski. Skorowski from Northwestern. <laughs> Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Um, as far as... SEC players, Brock Bowers, the sophomore tight end from Georgia, made it on defense. Will Anderson, of course, is uh, headlining that side of things. Uh, Jalen Carter, the junior from Georgia, is uh, on the defensive front. Jordan Battle, junior safety from Alabama, is on there. Um, Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M safety, made the team as well. Uh, Eli Ricks is a, a corner on the team as well. I've with five players on the first team
3: yikes yeah look you, you see why they're getting you know so many votes for first team in the country the best team number one in the country they just you know reload and I know Saban's going to keep talking about this imaginary rebuild that they had no yeah they just reload and reload and reload and they're going to be good again just, just, just what it is
2: your boy Jamor, Jamir Gibbs second team is an all-purpose player a name that jumped out to me here uh, Apu Aika The uh, junior from Baylor who started here at LSU, obviously, in 2019. A second-team preseason All-American over there at Baylor. Um, Look, he was a pretty highly thought-of recruit and and certainly played a little bit as a freshman on that 19-team for LSU. But... I think he was an All-American. I don't know if I <laughs> would have quite gotten there, but yeah.
3: good for him. No, I, I think that's great. You know, I, I see uh, Aranda, what he's done at Baylor already, and to see, you know, him get that defense to that level already, I, I think the last thing I would know Baylor's de- uh is for his defense. And so to see him getting that team competitive and obviously you got some former Tigers that you can cheer on, I think it's good. <laughs> I don't have to worry about Baylor too much, so I can cheer those guys on. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you probably don't have to worry too much about Baylor. <laughs> C.J. Stroud, the second team uh, quarterback on this All-American team, uh, and look, um, Brian Kelly leaving behind three or four All-American preseason here on this Notre Dame roster. I um, missed Yeah, Michael Mayer, the tight end, which mm-hmm. that's yeah. and you've got that's a position they've always had really really good players at. He's, He's got to be really looking good. at this, going, man. This is not exactly what I what I always sign up for. I always got some stud yeah. tight end. Now I'm trying to cobble it together with a guy who hadn't been super productive in two years and a true freshman that just showed up here.
3: No, it's not that to me. He's probably the second best tight end in the country. I would go with Bowers at Georgia. I think he's the best, but I think, you know, Mayor is, is right there. He's super, super talented. And so yeah, this is a total change up from what Coach Kelly's used to, normally used to offensive line. He can really, really depend on the block and he used to tight end as well in the passing and blocking game. Just probably not what lsu has right now but you know that's why he's here change his roster around recruiting and get it the way he wants
2: seven transfers on the first and second team all-american team that is <laughs> that's that, that's college the new football. era of college football yeah. there i mean obviously jordan addison we mentioned um from pitt to to southern cal eli ricks and, and jameer gibbs the two alabama players who have been have transferred over that were five stars coming out of high school you got osiris Torrance. From Louisiana Lafayette on the offensive line, that's now at uh, at Florida. I mentioned Apu Ika. Brandon Joseph is a, a safety from uh, at Notre Dame, who's from Northwestern. Uh, Florida State has Jimmy Robinson, who was a, a standout at South Carolina, who's now a preseason All American. So. Look, it's just there was a day and age you wouldn't consider anyone transferring when they were a, a preseason All American. Now it's just par for the course.
3: Yeah, no, it seems like this is just going to be tradition every single offseason now. I know we just missed the window. No one can transfer now, but as soon as that window opens back up, the floodgates will be back open and you're going to see it. Guys who are in great situations having big time seasons unhappy for whatever reason, and leaving to go to other schools. I don't know why. I don't know what what's going on, but that's what college football is. So just get used to all the realignment and, and guys going all over the country.
2: You surprised Mason Smith and Jaqueline Roy not mentioned here? Uh,
3: No, no. I, I think, you know, if they have uh, big-time seasons this year, then I could see them on every list going into next year. But I, I think based off the uh, freshman season that that Mason had and I, I think versus off Jaqueline – um, I, I don't think enough for national, you know, all-American buzz, but uh, you know, we know how we feel around him in Tiger Nation, so uh, we'll, we'll let them shock the world as, as we go this season.
2: Maybe postseason all-American. I prefer those anyway. <laughs> yes, that exactly. seems to work. Uh, seems to work pretty well. I thought Mason Smith might, because of the buzz he had as a recruit, being a five-star. Uh, a lot of times that'll carry you, um, but a lot of pretty good players in the uh, in the country. So no, uh, no other Tigers besides Keishawn Butte on the preseason all-American list via the AP. Um, If you missed any of our first hour, you can catch it on demand, 1045ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. We open things talking Saints and Packers. Hit some NFL storylines at 1215. Talked a lot of LSU at 1230 with uh, Brian Kelly's thoughts on the scrimmage that concluded fall camp for LSU. So that's all on demand. You can catch it each and every day on those places where you find our, uh, our stuff. In hour number two, we will meet the freshmen, two more of LSU's Freshman class we will introduce you to at 1.15 and at uh, Three of LSU's baseball coaches meeting with the media right now over at the box. We'll get Jay Johnson's thoughts, some of the quotes that he gave today as he uh, kind of introduces his new coming freshman class and a host of transfers that have come in look to be as talented a team as there is in college baseball. So we'll give our thoughts on that at 1.30 and, of course, When we uh, come back at the other side for hour number two, we will start with Jeremy's lead toss, and it'll be focused on LSU and the running back room. We've got some news there over the weekend, so we'll get Jeremy's thoughts on that and kind of how LSU navigates their running back situation right about now. Again, thanks so much to The Shed for bringing me the lunch hour each and every Monday here on Hunt and Hill. If you're looking to... Get something to eat, get some lunch, get over to the shed on Burbank. As I mentioned, they got a ton of picnic tables. They got a lot of food. Whether it's the ribs, pulled pork, the brisket is awesome. Over there, they got great sides, mac and cheese. They got your greens. Get over by The Shed if you're looking for lunch. We appreciate them. You got catering orders? They can handle that. And we are giving out lunch via The Shed every single week. We're going to do that when we come back to kick off our number two. Stay safe and dry out there on this rainy day here in the capital city. We'll come back with Jeremy's lead toss. You're listening to Capital City's Leader in Sports Talk, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.
1: This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.